Your neighbor's howling again. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Told him to stop that. Shut up, Frank. <laughs> Don't care what you identify as. <laughs> Oh gosh, did you see the that? The only thing I identify you as is a bitch. There's a whole like what's it called when people gather in mass numbers? Protesting. Protest? Okay. I don't know if it was a protest or an organized show off for weirdos. In Germany, I think it was, a whole bunch of people that identified as dogs got together. And they were like howling and barking and shit. And it was like way too many people. Like, I'm starting to think these groups have to be paid actors. They absolutely are. There's no way you're going to get a couple hundred people who say, I identify as a fucking dog and go to a public spot. Believe it enough to go to a public spot and start lifting a leg and peeing. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's weird. Not going to happen. Yeah. But. Okay. Anywho. We're live, by the way. (laughs) Great. Can't wait to get canceled. <laughs> I'll leave it all in for extra fun. Perfect. If you identify as a dog, feel free to let me know and I'll smack you with a newspaper. Well, they don't know how to use a computer, so it's true. they can't get mad. <laughs> oh, there's no way their paws can type. So <laughs> Sounds like uh, a life, but it's probably a little rough. <laughs> Super rough life. <laughs> It's a shame that their life expectancy goes way down. I know, right? <laughs> uh, have you ever thought about how to dogs we are elves? Because we live forever? Because we live forever. Like massively multiple generations of dogs in a like human life. Pretty much 7x. Uh-huh. Yeah. So anyways, licensing is something... That... <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Licensing is something that not a lot of people think about until they have to. And usually when you get to that point where it's, oh, I need to think about the licensing of this, it's very rarely a good thing. There are several different licenses for different technologies, engines, languages, etc. They're They're all over the place and it can be really confusing. Even some of the more open licenses like Creative Commons, there are different levels of it. And depending on if it's, for example, Creative Commons Zero, It's absolutely free. Do whatever you want with it. If it's Creative Commons 3, then there are a lot more restrictions. And it can be really confusing, especially once you get into the programming side of things and licenses that are typically associated with software. It can be hard to navigate that. So it's important to be aware of that stuff. And because those licenses dictate how you can use it, what you can use it for, and even about whether the source code is open or closed source. Today, we're gonna talk about open source specifically, and we're gonna be talking about what it is, why it's important, how and when you use it, and how do you contribute to other people's projects. So first of all, what is open source? Software that is released with a license allowing anyone to view it, use it, modify it, and distribute the software's source code. So it's that versus like proprietary uh, proprietary software, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't have access to. You wouldn't view. You wouldn't know what's going on. You just know it works. Yeah. It's kind of the, the black box of Microsoft Excel. Yeah. You download the program. You run things like the solver inside of it for whatever reason. 
and it does magic and you have no idea how. So you don't know if there's maliciousness going on in that black box or if everything's kosher. Mm -hmm. The definition of open source licensing is the legal framework that dictates how open software can be used, modified, and distributed. Like Jacob mentioned, open source software, especially on the more free licenses, you can download it, you can look at it, you can modify it, you can redistribute it, whatever. So some of the common licenses that are associated with open source are the MIT license, which is a permissive license with very few restrictions on how it can be reused. The GNU general public license, also known as the GPL, which requires changes to be open sourced. So if you inherit a project with the GPL license and you make changes, make your own branch, even make your own project five, 10 years down the road, because it's based on that license, any changes have to be also under the GPL and be open sourced. The Apache license, which allows for patent rights and protections against retaliation, you'll see that a lot with bigger companies and they do that so that they can be open source but protect their intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And then there's my favorite license. And I can't claim that I knew about this out of nowhere. One of my buddies who, he's a PHP developer, which gross. PHP, wait, have we even verified this is a real thing then? <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> Um, but so this license is do what the fuck you want to public license <laughs> and it's as open as you can get nothing there's no restrictions <laughs> and I think it's funny and I like to put it on all my uh, YouTube channel projects because every, like everyone's coding along with me and make pretending they're their projects anyways <laughs> so this, li this license was built for PHP developers because they <laughs> probably don't understand what the word restrictions mean. Yeah, they're like, we got to make this way easier. <laughs> uh, the only licenses we respect are the ones we see while eating paste. <laughs> <laughs> he does always have a, a popsicle stick with this on it. You know? <laughs> uh, so it's really important to choose the right license. Yeah. This protects creators and informs contributors, which we'll get into in a second, and users who are using your software. The act of participating in the development or improvement of open source projects is a contributor. Mm -hmm. And so common ways to contribute to a project is code contributions. So mm -hmm. you're either writing features, bug fixes, you that's usually it. the go-to right that's like, what at least from our perspective is what people do mm -hmm. well and looking at a lot of open source projects that i use and i see the the rest of them other than maybe reporting issues aren't typically done by people it's something that's kind of left hanging a second ver a second way that you can contribute is documentation you can add documentation about things, list out how to use it, what this feature does, that kind of thing. Design and UI UX improvements are something that usually gets ignored. Like if you remember back in the DevSlopes days, we had a, a friend that was working there who made an open, made a contribution of some artwork like logos and stuff 
to an open source project mm-hmm. and it immediately got accepted and it became this big thing and they were so happy about it because nobody does that I heard, what project was that for it was know? it was some blockchain thing i'm trying to remember what it was exactly but it was a blockchain project it was really cool it was yeah. really cool and he did that and it was just the biggest thing and it it got so much publicity within that project because nobody thinks to contribute to that kind of thing and submit hey here's some ui ux enhancements or here's a new logo to make the project look more legit yeah and then another big one is reporting issues yeah and i feel like that is the heaviest used people love to report (laughs) issues everybody is more than happy to tell you how you screwed up yeah but not fix it community support is probably one of the most needed ones Mm -hmm. because it's hard like to stay on top of like forums and chats and help people use your product yeah i mean the reality of these open source projects is typically there are some exceptions to this but typically an open source project is being managed by a very small group of people who are doing this part-time in their free time kind of thing. Right. It's a hobby. And that it comes down a to job. if you have 500 people in the chats asking all these different questions, you're, you have to prioritize. Am I going to go engage with the community and answer all these questions? Or am I going to code out the feature that I've got 600 reported issues with? Mm-hmm. And usually community support takes a back seat because this crap's broken is more of the there's a fire here that i have to put out and so that community support gets ignored a lot and i don't blame the people behind the projects for it because it's it's a priority thing and i'd rather have it working than feel special because somebody responded to my thread well let's be honest most code projects the people that created them want to create them, not be yeah representatives. Well, and, customer and a lot of the ways that people are reporting issues and things is through GitHub issues. And usually they're not even issues. Like a lot of these things are, how do I do something that is already clearly listed in the documentation? Oh, wait, and time out. This would be a good time. Like, don't just say it doesn't work. You have to give... We need more information than that. You need to give steps that you took and why it's not breaking. You want to take video? Take video, please. (laughs) Show us. Yeah. Because I have a client right now who I inherited the project. I'm trying to clean it up and make it more usable for them, more user-friendly. And I'm getting reports of customers aren't using this image-taking feature because they hate it. And I asked, okay, cool. Why do they hate it? Like, what is wrong with it that needs to be fixed? I don't know. Mm-hmm. They just said it sucks. Cool. Well, I'll get right on that yeah, one. So let me go and guess what sucks. <laughs> uh. And it's it's really hard to debug things. It's really hard to read people's minds over the internet of random anonymous users to fix things. So... You want to report an issue and be detailed. Great. Be detailed. Details. So you help everyone. Otherwise, your issue will just be ignored, honestly. And it'll turn into 600 replies of, well, 
is this happening? Is that happening? What are the specs of your machine? What environment are you in? Right. <clears throat> Be detailed. You're a programmer. <laughs> or at least consult one. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> the significance of pull requests is pretty huge in the contribution process. And that's mostly related to the code contributions. Because the whole process that people tend to misunderstand is there's an open source project. I see an issue. I decide I'm going to help by fixing this issue. I don't fix the issue and then say, okay, it's fixed. And they pull it in and everything goes smoothly. There's usually a gatekeeper that's there looking at contributions, making sure that things match up, things are actually working the way they're intended. And a lot of times in bigger open source projects like Godot, for example, the whole ecosystem is based around build what you need for the engine. And if you want to contribute and make the engine better, submit a pull request. But people just go ham on, here's a feature nobody asked for that I think would be cool Yeah. that doesn't fit the flow of anything else that this engine does. And then they get really mad when it gets rejected because how dare they? And so just because somebody builds a feature or makes a change or fixes a bug doesn't mean that it's immediately going to get pulled in. Mm -hmm. There are these things called pull requests, which happen, which is when I say, hey, I made this thing and I send it to the gatekeeper, who's a project admin of some sort, and say, would it be cool if we merged this into the code base? And they review it, they review the code, they look for security issues, they look for code cleanliness, a laundry list of things, and they can either accept it or reject it and give me some reasons. So they do the pull request, they review that code, and then depending on what happens, it'll either get pulled into the open source project or it won't. Mm -hmm. And that process can take a really long time. Even in these open source environments where you've got a ton of people working together, there's supposed to be some kind of gatekeeper there to keep things clean, make sure things are working. And it's not a straightforward process. Right. Why is open source important? I think the number one would be the collaboration. Like it brings a diverse group of people or individuals around and from all over the world to work on one project. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really cool. Number one, that yeah. we can work all around the world on a single project together and get feedback from other people and make these amazing products. Right. Um, and that goes into like the innovation of things too. And just, rapid development and iteration and all this awesome stuff at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. Another big reason why open source is important is transparency. Anybody can inspect the code. They can look for weaknesses, security flaws, that kind of thing. And it's a double-edged sword, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. But this can lead to much more trust, a higher level of trust in that software versus something that's closed source and they just say, it works and we're not stealing your information, guys, we promise. Yeah, all the most widely used tools are open source projects mm -hmm. because they're audited and everyone knows that there's no mal 
malicious um, coat or nastiness in there. Yep. They're also a great source for education. If you're just starting out as a developer or even not, even at any point in your journey, you can go find a good, solid open source project and see the cool things that they're doing. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I always laugh because like I have a, a, it's a small discord server, but it's growing, but I always have people on there like, we we need a project to work on. Oh, it's I've, growing. Did did your grandma finally sign up? Yeah, so, my grandma signed up. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so that's two people. I so yeah, there. grandma's always like, we should start a project together. So I have things to work on. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, one, I want. <laughs> I'm to, tired of crocheting, grandpa. <laughs> I I want to start a good um, open source project that my community can work on but there's also like so much out there mm-hmm. like guys just go like if you don't have a project you're working on just go find an open source project yeah like you literally can just jump right in i mean your code might not be accepted but it's still really good well practice. and usually there's a list of priority bug fixes yeah. and stuff there's some kind of guide of we need help here's a list of things that yep. you can start on yeah and you can just jump on and jump on the easiest one do whatever you're capable of doing Mm-hmm. that's the best part like you could just like fix the readme file and oh, then yeah. be a contributor to an open source project and there are even projects out that people people look at open source and they usually think free nobody's getting paid for this kind of mm-hmm. stuff but that's not always the case and there are actually a few repos that i've found a few projects that i found where it's an open source project and they have hey we need help with this thing but it's also a bounty board oh no nice. and you can actually earn cash or swag or a list of things to help incentivize people to build on the project take care of high priority things and it's basically an idea of rather than having a full-time staff managing this we're just going to have programmers as needed and Mm -hmm. whoever takes care of this project whoever takes care of this bug whatever this feature they implement it it gets accepted and we're going to pay them for it and we're done and so there are projects out there like that. It's not always you're just donating out of the goodness of your yeah. heart towards a project. But the nice thing about donating out of the goodness of your heart is most of the time you're contributing to is a heavily used oh yeah, tool or product. And so it's free to use. So everyone benefits from it. And that's that's pretty cool. There are a lot of benefits not only to contributing to open source projects, but creating them as well. The first is community involvement. You can get a lot of contributions and improvements from the community and build a fan base for your application of developers who are helping build this thing. Mm -hmm. Because people like to feel like they have stake in something, like they are partial owners. And it can bite you in the butt when people get really too attached, is a nice way to put it. But... You can also build a community off of it and say, hey, look at this cool thing that we are building. And it gets people emotionally invested in your product Mm -hmm. rather than a here's just a thing I built. Check it out. Yeah. And it's a good way to get some recognition and build a reputation in a tech community or even like a niche community. So like my Elixir group, uh, right now my YouTube channel, I'm doing a GitHub gist clone. Mm -hmm. But instead of it just being like all code snippets like GitHub gist, mm-hmm. I'm more focusing on just like Elixir 
code snippets, right? Yeah. Because that's, you know, that's what I teach. I think it's cool to do that. But so I'm going through this process and I'm going to get the project to like a good MVP version, but I'm going to leave it to the point where it's not mobile friendly. Mm-hmm. It's missing a few features, but then I'm, I'm going to open source it and I can have a list of all these things people can contribute to. So now I just taught, you know, this project on my YouTube channel. And then when it's finished, I it's deployed. And now all these guys that I just taught can go and contribute to all the other features that we want to finish. And it can become a really cool project. Nice. Yeah. And then after they make it all pretty and everything, you need another group of students. You just get reset hard and then... And then I start (laughs) over. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I think that'll make it a lot more fun too. Oh, for sure. Because like, it's hard to start open source with nothing. So that's like, so I'm kind of doing the beginning. Yeah. You want it, it, you want it to not feel overwhelming. Yeah. You want it to have a foundation here's the base thing, here's the idea of it, here's the look and feel, here's the basic architecture, and then you can get help with it through open source contributions because people can look at smaller tasks and it's not something daunting. And then like, what's cool is I have my little community, like it's like 300 people now in Discord, which I think is pretty dope. But they can talk and get excited about it. And then when they do pull requests and we have new features hit, Mm -hmm. we can talk about it be happy about it and it's live yeah on the web you know like that is really cool it's your your discord server is a lot larger than mine i just sit there and talk to myself (laughs) we have a a discord channel of three people (laughs) (laughs) it's going well no (laughs) but yeah so another big benefit to creating open source projects is the feedback loop you get really fast identification of bugs or issues because you have tons of people looking at Mm -hmm. it and Granted, you're going to have to check your ego at the door. Yeah. Because everybody loves to pull apart your projects. And depending on what you're building and in what language or framework, people get progressively nastier. (laughs) Like, I love Rust. I think it's a great language. And there are lots of cool tools in it. And I think it's the future. But Rust developers, man, it's... They will, they, their bread and butter is looking for minute, tiny problems and blowing them out of proportion. And so if you've got an open source project, you have to be ready for people to pull it apart Mm -hmm. and you have to be ready to hear this sucks a lot Yeah, because people will absolutely tear it apart any chance they get, especially as they're identifying issues. But if you can do that, you get that fast identification of here's a bug, here's an issue. And often people will suggest, even if they don't do like a full formal pull request and here's the code to fix it, they'll still message, they'll still comment and be like, hey, here's this issue. Here's what I think is going on. Maybe check this. And so you get not only the identification of the bug, but you get leads on here's maybe a way to fix it. Does it still hurt you when people report bugs on your code? No. How long did it take you to get over that? Years. (laughs) But especially as we were building perfect form, it got a lot easier for me to just flip you the bird. (laughs) 
Say, uh, you know what? You're right. It doesn't work when I'm hanging upside down <laughs> using iOS 14.723 hot patch 7. It's really funny because I felt personally attacked for a couple years at least with like pull request comments and then bug bugs being mm -hmm. discovered. Now it's, yeah, I'm. I wrote bugs. I'll go ahead and try to fix them. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't hurt my feelings anymore. But it took me a long time to get past that. Oh, for sure. You need a little thick skin or to be a little dead inside, I guess. And then it stops hurting your feelings. I'm mostly the second one. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so. I, I was alive until you started asking ChatGPT to explain things to you like you were five. You loved every moment of that. <laughs> um and then so you were just talking about the feedback loop and going like kind of off of that as you're contributing well i guess we're as you're creating your own open source it's it's great portfolio building oh because for sure. now you are showcasing skills and expertise and you've managed an open source project Managing an open source project is no small feat. No, ton there it, are tons of major popular open source projects where the original creator has just said, screw it, I'm handing this over, I can't take this anymore. Mm -hmm. And there's no shame in that. No, it's a lot of but, work. You know, it happens. And it requires a lot of organization and planning and all of that. Yeah. Because you have to have it all publicly and available so people can hop in and understand what they're doing. Yeah. And so you can build a nice portfolio off of it. It gives you a lot of really good skills, but you can also get some monetization off of it, which can be a whole business model in and of itself, because it's a lot easier to do this now versus like five years ago. There are lots of ways for people to sponsor you, give donations, or you can also have dual licensing, which we're not going to talk a ton about here right now, but that's essentially where you've got different tiers of licensing for this version of it is free, but I'm going to license, I'm going to give an additional license. Like my original free one is non-commercial use, but if you pay me 50 bucks, you can use it commercially kind of thing. Mm -hmm. How do you know how that kind of stuff is even enforced? They usually put in production key kind of thing. Oh, and they that map makes it more to, sense they're hitting this a whole lot. Are they using it for commercial purposes? And you can see this non-commercial project project is hitting my endpoint 50,000 times that a day. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. We kind of already passed this by, but um, a lot of like open source projects are like free to use if you serve them up. And then a lot of times they're like product or way to actually monetize it as they offer a served up version of it and you would just buy it like a product. Yeah. And that's smart too. Like uh, Plausible, which is an analytics open source project that I mm -hmm. really like, they they have a similar model where you can, you can have analytics in your own dashboard and do your own thing through them, but you have to pay monthly. Mm -hmm. But it's also open source so you can create your own plausible server. Yeah, and then, as long as the license, and I think Plausible does, but yeah. some licenses forbid against using their open source code. It's here's the source so you can look at it, but you're not allowed to right. use this. Yeah, so read the licenses, but yeah. yeah. So there are a lot of benefits 
to using open source projects and creating open source projects, but it's not always sunny in Philadelphia. And there are drawbacks and those kinds of things involved. And there's more that we want to talk about, but we're running kind of long on this episode. So we're actually going to turn this into a two-parter and we will talk more about this in the next episode. Bang, bang, two-parter. <laughs>